0: Well, we're teaching on grace and peace, everybody say grace and peace, and peace. and this is our fifth week into this. I'll touch on a few things by way of review and then we'll keep going in Ephesians chapter one, verse two, which is one of about 14 places this occurs. It says grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an incredible greeting, but it's not just a greeting. When you step back a little bit and see in the New Testament, we basically have three major themes, grace, mercy, and peace. And Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, combines grace and peace, not just as a greeting. He's not just paying, you know, honor to Jews and Greeks and combining these. He is pronouncing and declaring something to all the churches. These epistles are to be read in all the, all the churches. And as that was taking place, especially in the early days of the church, those were powerful, powerful words. When we say grace and peace, when we combine these, and I've told you this every week, uh, that is essentially saying that I want for you the entire range of divine help and blessing in your life. Can I see the hands of anybody that wants the entire range of divine and help, help and blessing in your life? And thank God for that. And it's a declaration not just a greeting. Peace is the fruit of grace. And so to really arrive at a place of having peace in all the levels, and we've looked at a number of them already, I think we first of all have to start with grace because peace is the fruit of grace. Now follow this. A lot of people are just looking for for the peace. And it comes out of grace. So to track toward grace, and the peace will be, be deposited in our life. So many people are just looking for peace, even believers just looking to find peace. And you need to know that it's attached. It comes out of God's grace. And so we're going to continue again to look at grace, and then peace will be deposited on this. Grace, uh, and, and let me back up on this, understand this. You are, you are the object of God's grace. You are the recipient of God's peace, and because of that, you have every reason to rejoice. Will you, will you say this with me? I am, I am the object God's of God's grace, God's grace. I, am I am the recipient of God's peace. God's peace. I, have I have every reason. Say it again I have every reason, have every reason. to rejoice. <clears throat> now, grace, by definition, is God's attitude. Think of this, it's his frame of mind, it's his disposition towards us, it's God's attitude that acts on our behalf, follow this, acts on our behalf without our deserving it. And that absence of deserving or earning, that is the central idea of grace. That's the thing we've got to focus in on, that God has this attitude, this disposition, this bend, if you will, toward us, that he does good to us. And we don't deserve it. And it is that not deserving and that not earning part of that that is not just the central idea, the core of grace, but that's also where our hang up comes. We have a hard time. Why would he do that? Why, what's, what's wrong with this thing? He's up to something because we're used to one another. And as gracious as we enjoy God being, a lot of times we're really not that gracious. I mean, how often have we thought or said they don't deserve that? Well, you know, so many, so many times we're not willing to give a break. Can I see the hands of anybody who've been given a break before, you know, in, in God's grace. And so we're thankful for his grace also. And I just love this uh, definition of grace. It's the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God toward us. Finding its only motive. This just gets me. The only motive is the bounty and benevolence of the giver. So this is an incredible thing that God would be for us and not against us. And in God being for us, he demonstrates that constantly in something that is called grace. Now, numerous times in the New Testament, we're going to find a phrase that will go one way or another so talking about the riches of his grace. Um, one tra- translation says he's rich in grace. He's rich in grace. He's got a lot of it. How many of know he's not going to run out of it? It's a renewable resource, okay? And so God has this unlimited grace. Then we see... In John 1.16, an incredible verse. I'm going to read it to you in three different translations here. It says in the New King James, And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Literally means grace upon grace. The New Living Translation brings it out a little bit more. From his abundance we, go ahead and say this to me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. True. And then in the message Bible, I love this. It says, we all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. God has been good grace upon grace, gift after gift after gift. And we saw last week and previous weeks, that grace helps us. That grace strengthens us. That grace is, is proportional. It's sufficient. It's always enough. Incredible amounts of grace. Y'all with me so far? Because that brings me to a question. And the question would be this. And after my life and years and years of ministry and observing people and watching situations, this would be my question then. With all that grace, with all that grace and and all of us being as believers, object of God's grace and the recipient of His peace and every reason to rejoice because with all of that grace, then how come there's so many people that are the object of His grace that are living graceless and living peaceless and living agitated and irritated and frustrated and unfulfilled? Why Why would they, as I shared with you the first week, they have inflammation in their soul when instead there should be grace and peace and cause... For rejoicing. Why are we that way? And, and nobody like that would come to the 11 o'clock service. No, it's, it's like us. It's all of us at one point or another. And some of you, some of you, and I say this seriously, are living that way. Why is that? When we have such abundance of grace, why is that? And I want us to look at some things because I, I think I have some keys today that will help us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, looking carefully, lest anyone go ahead and say that could be me (laughs) looking carefully, lest anyone watch these words fall short of the grace of God. Look at the result of this, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. How many of you know that a a nasty attitude and disposition is contagious? You know, how many of you know that one person can kind of spoil things? How many of you know that somebody can carry an attitude into something and affect everybody else? How many of you know, and this is in the Bible, by the way, if mama ain't happy, (laughs) ain't nobody happy. You'll see that ain't in the Bible. It's in mine. I wrote it in the front. (laughs) Let's take a moment. Everybody write that in. Okay. No, seriously, though. This said that something's happened that a person is now graceless. And when you're graceless, something springs up in you that's bitter. And not desirable. And it troubles you. And it will, as a result, trouble others and defile others. The word defile actually contains part of it to make unfit for blessing. And so how did all that happen? How did how does it happen that we who should have such grace and such peace and every cause to rejoice are living graceless and peaceless? And the scripture here says that they fall short of grace. That fall short of the grace the New Living says they fail to receive. The amplified bible says they fail to secure a word study produces that that word is used like for a company of travelers. And it's company of travelers and one lags behind. That's the fall short. He lags behind and he does not make it to the destination. And so I don't want any of you to lag behind. Oh, that was weak. I don't want any of you to lag behind. I don't want you to fall short of this, of this grace that, that God has for us. So in trying to answer this question, why then are we graceless and peaceless with such an abundance of, of, of grace? I think here's a big part of it right here. This is a huge part of it. I think most people have a wrong or limited understanding of what grace is. And so they fail to receive it. They lag behind. They fall short of this grace because they have a wrong or limited understanding or view of grace. And we're going to try We're going to try to fix that today. As a result, you miss seeing just how amazing grace is, how full it is, how complete it is. Some people, it's just a religious word and it's on the good list. It's like up with grace. Don't know what it is, but yay. And we have some ideas of it and there's a, there's, you know, different words we can pray, uh, play with grace, G-R-A-S-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's unmerited favorites, those things. But how does that work in my day today? How does that work in my life, my situations, my stuff? You know, all of you, we just raised our hand earlier. How many of you going through stuff? We've been through stuff. You know, how does this grace play out in those situations? And we've got to get a good, clear grip, a full understanding of grace or we're going to miss out on how amazing it is, how complete it is, how, how full it is. And if we don't have a, a full understanding of grace, we're going to have a hard time even fathoming this whole idea that God would do anything good for us, that God would actually be for us and not against us. And so let's dive into this a little bit here today. Part of the problem is the tension between grace grace. And law. And so I want to reverse the order just for a moment. There's a tension between because law came first. Law and grace. You with me? Yes. Um, and there's a vicious cycle with this. So let, me, let me just put this up first of all. You've got law. And you've got Grace. Now, law, I'm not just talking about don't rob banks and do the speed limit. Now, the nature of law is this. You keep it, everything's cool. It, it's once you break it, then you got problems, okay? Um, it strikes you once you break it. If you keep it, everything's fine. I'm not just talking about man's laws, you know, speed limit, don't rob the bank, all, the, all those things I said, Uh I just saw some crazy video. One of my kids showed me people fighting over phones or something at a Walmart on Black Friday. And next thing you know, in the video, you hear sirens, you know, please come up. It's like, come on, people get a grip. Anyway, back to the message. Um, Law. Law says this, and and it's God's commands. And it started out law just being the 10 commandments. But we have... Scripture as a whole, we have commandments. And they tell us things to do, and they tell us things to not do, okay? Now, law, and this is an oversimplification, okay? I'll give you that. But law says this, I must do it. I must do it. And grace then says this, and again, this is overly simplified. Grace says this, God will help me. God will help me. So law says what? I must do it. Everybody say, I must do it. And and most people are stuck over in law even though they love grace. And grace says what? God will help me. Try it one more time. God will help me. Okay. Now, I wrote all of this earlier because I just didn't want the pressure. Law, and there's a cycle that goes with this. Law, first of all, has a standard. Standard. Remember I told you before? You know, keep the law, everything's cool. So you've got you've got the standard. And then judgment. And judgment comes to judge how you did with the standard. And then you're going to have remedy or reward. Re- really, it's an outcome. And for our purposes, we're going to have to see that it's a remedy. So what happens here is we have the law do this, don't do this. And then we have the standard. Let me tell you about the standard. And and, and remember my point. Okay, listen, get back to this. My point is this. Part of the reason we're living graceless and peaceless and coming up way short on a whole lot of things in life and not enjoying the journey as much as we should is because we don't have a full view of grace. And part of the reason we don't have that full view of grace is because we're leaning too far toward law. Law is exceeding its boundaries in our lives in some ways. And let me try to explain. So we have the standard which all of us are held to. But here's the deal. It's unattainable. It's unattainable, so we what? We fail. We fail at this. I can't keep all the law, neither can you. So all of us end up failing, and so we get a big F. Just like teachers did with their red markers. So we fail. So now there's judgment. The judgment is this. Guilty. Guilty. And well, then what does that bring to us? It brings wrath and brings condemnation. Great. So we've got to have a remedy for this. And I'll cut to the end of the remedy. And the remedy really back on us. Because law says what? Well, I must do it. So we've got this standard I can't live up to. I fail. I got an F. I got an F minus. (laughs) Judgment, guilty, wrath, condemnation. So what is the remedy? Law says I must do it. Here's here's the remedy most of us think. You ready for this? I've got to do better. I will try harder. And, And this is a vicious cycle, folks. This vicious cycle, many of you have been stuck in for decades. And it applies to natural things and spiritual things. I got to do this. I didn't do it. I'm guilty. I lost. I messed up. And then we end up, you know what I'll do? I'll try harder. Everybody say, I'll try harder. I'll try harder. Let me tell you something. Try harder is good. But if try harder by itself would fix it all, we'd all be fixed. Some people have tried harder so long they quit trying. And some people are still locked up in the same things from 20, 30, 40 years ago. I, I'm going to try. I'm going I'm to try harder. And when you try harder, you come back to the same standard that is unattainable. You can't do it. Yet we're stuck in this law thing. We believe in grace. We love grace. Grace is cool. Up with grace. But until we get a full view of grace, we're going to reduce grace. I'll tell you what we'll reduce it to in a moment. The standard's still unattainable. But I'm trying harder. He's still not going to be able to attain it. So guess what? Still guilty or guilty again, more wrath, more condemnation. What am I going to do? Hey, y'all need to try harder at that. Come on with me. <laughs> what am I going to do? Try I'm going to try harder. And so we end up in this constant cycle. And this is what we reduce grace down to. We end up seeing grace only as love and forgiveness. Thank God it is. How many of you are thankful that God's grace is love? And you're thankful for forgiveness. Um, But watch what happens here. The law, because we're living in this cycle, we do something that Galatians 2 says, we set aside grace. Watch this in Galatians 2, verse 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Incredible scripture. Verse 21, look at this. I do not set aside the grace of God. I do not set aside the grace of God. How could he have done it? For if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died in vain. So if meeting the standard could happen by trying hard keeping the law, then I do two things. I set aside grace. And this is what most people do. They set aside grace. They love grace. They believe in grace, but they set aside grace. And therefore, for their life, the impact of this, Christ died in vain. We set aside the grace of God that would make the difference. I'll show you it in just a second. Then in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, it says, You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt... To be justified by the law, for you have fallen from grace. So now we've not only set aside grace, we fall away from grace. We come uh, disconnected from grace if we try to just keep all the law. That that's how righteousness is going to come. That's how we're going to be justified with God is keeping the law. Because I'm going to go back to this again. Can we keep all the law? No, everybody's going to get the same report card. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And listen, we we end up in this cycle. Try, fail, forgiveness, try harder. Try, fail, forgiveness, try harder. Join in. Try, fail, forgiveness, try harder. One more time. Try, fail, forgiveness, try harder. And it goes on and on. You know what I wrote in my notes in all caps? Repeat over and over and over and over. And that's what happens. And that's the cycle that so many people are in. And here's the result of this. We stay in this cycle. I'm going to try. I fail. I get forgiveness. I try harder. And we reduce grace down to this. Love and forgiveness. He loves me. He forgives me. Now what do I do? Try harder. And we're still in the same place. Still in the same place with all this. We end up then defeated in our own thinking. God loves me. God forgives me. But we end up defeated in our thinking. And get this. We end up cynical about our own efforts. Tried for years. Try to beat this. Try to be better at that. Try to do that. Try to try to try. And we end up in the same place. We end up cynical of of our own efforts. And then we have a hard time even thinking. Listen to me. How, how on earth could he possibly still be for me? He's watched me my whole life. Am I telling anybody's story? Yes. Watched me my whole life. Try, fail. Forgiveness, try harder. And it goes over and over and over. And, and this, this is what happens when we don't have the right handle on grace. It's not that we don't believe in it. It's not that we don't celebrate it, but we've got to have grace have its full place in our life that grace is. Get this, church. Grace is much more than just love and forgiveness. Grace is something else as well. And let me tell you the place we have to arrive at, and then this will make sense for you. In all of this try, fail, forgiveness, try harder, try, fail, forgiveness, try harder, eventually you've got to come to a place. You've got to arrive at a conclusion. You with me on this? You've got to come to this conclusion that there are some things, looking at that cycle in my life, in your life, there are some things I do not have that I need. There are some things I cannot do that I need some help. So let me just go ahead and shoot to the chase here. Grace is not just love and forgiveness. Grace is help. And get this, it's natural help. And get this, it's supernatural help. Because we've all been stuck in this over and over and over. And then maybe we improve in one area of our life, but, you know, you know your life. You know you. It's you that's still rescuing with, how can God still be for me? How could he possibly still be for me? Church, I want to assure you, he is so for you so for you. And that's why he's giving you his grace and his grace is not just love and it's not just forgiveness but but I don't want to minimize those. Thank God it's love and thank God it's forgiveness but put it in the middle there's some things I don't have that I need obviously. There's some things I can't do that I need help with. So what is grace? It's help. It's favor, it's strength, it's power, it's wisdom. It's those things coming into our life. And we have to realize that the things that we don't have that we need, the things I can't do, but I need help with. Here's here's your bottom line, ready? God is your source. You have to understand God is the source. God has what I need and God can help me with what I can't do. I want to say it again. God has what I need. God can help me with what I can't do. And you need to understand that it is both natural and supernatural. And this plays out. Listen, grace is for natural things too. Grace is not just about forgiveness and forever. Grace is about natural things. Listen, there are people stuck in the same cycle with trying to quit smoking. Or trying to lose that 30 pounds. And what do they do? Try, fail, forgiveness. Try harder. And then some commercial comes on. Order this now. You'll be sexy by New Year's. (laughs) Right? That's it. I'll do that and I'll try harder. And it'll be something else by Easter. You know, and on and on and on. This is what you've got to know. If we're struggling in those areas, if we're struggling with other areas, be it sin, be it temptation, be it an attitude, something out of our past, something that's plagued us, that's limited us, ball and chain that, that is on us about our past or something done to us, something done by us. Something said to us, whatever it would be, all of those things. I want you to know that the grace of God is not just love and it's not just forgiveness. It's this help that comes in the middle. And listen, God sometimes sends grace that is natural, which means it's going to be through a person. It's going to be through a thing. It's going to be through some words that natural help would come. Somebody's going to know how to do that. Somebody can walk you through that. Somebody can stand with you. Somebody can show you how to open that combination that you had no idea how to. You've been stuck there for years and then embarrassed you can't open it. So when people come by, you need anything? No, I'm good. As soon as they're gone, we're back trying again. And all of a sudden, God can send somebody and go, do this, dude. And there it is. And you're like, 30 years I wasted. I wasted. Well, there's natural things, but get this too. Supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. supernatural. And in this crazy world that we live in, you must have faith for supernatural. You've got to know that God can do things that are unexplainable. And you've got to know that there are times that you call out for God's grace and it helps, it comes into your life and you couldn't write it down if you had to. How did I get through that? How did I get free from that? How did I work through that? What happened here? How did that provision come? We still serve a God that can do anything. And where we come short on grace is, no, I'm just broke, I'm bent, I'm dented this way it is. 30 years I've tried the same thing. What are you going to do? Try harder. It's my new year's resolution. Try harder. I say, how about get introduced to a supernatural God who's able to do things naturally? Yes. But he's also able to do some things I can't figure out and stop being intimidated by smart people and think tanks and politically correct whatever's because they can't figure it out. Then they want to write it off. I think before the whole shooting match is over, we're going to say, write that off, buddy. Because God's going to be able to do some things on behalf of his people. Listen to me. The grace of God, he can fix things in the natural. He can fix things with natural things. But he also is able to do, and I'm telling you what, this is a big key. He's able to come in supernaturally, supernaturally. I'm telling you, and I just have this in my heart. Some of you have been fighting something, working with something, plagued by something just for years and years and years, and your answer is supernatural. And you try to fix it in a book or watching three episodes of Oprah or something else. And God is able to come in in His grace. He didn't deserve it. But He loved you. He's just bent towards you. He's able to come in and set you free from something. You don't even know how He did that. And then free. And He who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's God's grace. Now, a couple things real quick, because lunch is coming up. Did I mention that? <laughs> first things first. If this grace is that, run to it. Everybody say, "Run to grace." <laughs> Hebrews four sixteen says this: "Let us therefore come boldly." You know what "come boldly" means in the Tim Gilligan translation? Run. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. I've told you this, God's grace uh, throne is even called grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to what? To help in time of need. How do you go to the throne of grace? You pray. You pray. Listen to me. Grace comes because God is the God of all grace. But the one trigger that I find in scripture The one trigger that I find, because it's undeserved, it's all God. The one trigger I find is this. Go to the throne of grace. Go to the throne of grace. Pray. Ask. Get that grace. There's an old hymn of the church, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. The last half of of the first verse says this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer. Go run to grace. Secondly, stand in grace. Romans chapter 5 verse 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Stand means stay there. It's your position. It's your place. Stay there. We stand in that grace. Get in that grace. Get that understanding of grace. Believe. Listen, church. Believe that God's grace is not just love. Yes, it is. And it's forgiveness. Thank God it is. But it also is help. And it could come to you naturally. And it could come to you supernaturally. Race. Run to the throne of grace for whatever situation you need and get the grace that will not just love you and forgive you, but will help you. And then stand in that, no matter what's pulling on you, distracting you, stand in that grace. In James 4, 6, it says this, God resists the proud. It gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. When we think of proud, we think of cocky, strutting yourself, all that. Y'all with me? That's not even what it's talking about. Proud really boils down to this idea. Ready for this? I'll do it myself. I must do it myself. And we're proud. Listen, we're proud when we say, I'll handle it. I'll fix it. I'll get through it. I'll handle it. Because then you become your own source. And you've already proven, we've all proven, we're not a very good source for us. So God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the the humble. And the humble are not those that are soft-spoken and bad posture. I'm a little leery of people that are. I say, stand up and run to grace. But he gives grace to the humble. And humble here, my takeaway on this to just bottom line it is this it's those who know their source. And if you're humble enough to receive this help from God, here's the principle. Humility releases grace. Say it with me. Humility releases grace. Real quick, the prodigal son. Parable that Jesus shared. He said, Dad, I want my inheritance and I want it now before you die. Things I want to do, places I want to go, people I want to meet. He got his inheritance. It was probably pretty sizable. Based on the other details of that parable. He took his money, went to a far land. He partied hardy. He lived riotously. We don't even know what, what all that means, but the word one of the words in there means that he just spent lavishly, just extravagant amounts of money. He spent it, and guess what? He spent it all. And then the friends left. It usually works that way. And then a plague came. And now this Jewish boy far away from home and broke, the only job he can find is feeding pigs. And he's feeding pigs one day when he comes to that point, to that that point of awareness, he goes, I've ruined it. And he started a little speech that he practiced and he said, I'm going to go home because even my father's servants are fed and they're warm. I'm going to go there. I'm not worthy. Get this. I'm not worthy anymore to even be called his son. Guess what? We're not either. And he made his way. And you need to know this about the father because it's the same thing about your father, God. It's a picture of him. Every day he's looking. And every day he's waiting. Wow, waiting for what? To pounce on him say, don't even come on my property. <laughs> no, waiting for him so he could be gracious yes. to him. And when his son came, his son had this rehearsed speech. He meant it. But he started to say, Father, I'm not even, I'm not even deserving. I'm not worthy to even be called your your son and he just cut him off mid-sentence. And he ran and he fell on him and he kissed him on his neck and loved him. And you need to know this. He didn't just decide in that moment. He was predisposed. He was ready. He was waiting to show grace to his son who could never repay, who could never get worthy again, could never make up for all the mess and strain and loss and everything else. He just decided to be gracious to him. That's your heavenly father too. And then he said this, hugging on him. He said, bring me a robe and bring me a ring and fire up the grill. And that, that part right there, that part of that verse, that's why I'm not a vegetarian. It's scripture. Okay. Hey, if God didn't want us to eat animals, He wouldn't have made them taste like meat. Okay? So I'm just clearing all that up for everybody. But what was He was gracious to him. And restored to me saying, Father, I'm undeserving. I'm not even worthy. And that's the same that's true of us. Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed, get this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what poor in spirit is? Again, it's not all crumpled down. It's simply this. I can't do this on my own. I'm dependent on you. I can't make this happen. When you're poor in spirit and totally dependent upon God... The Bible said right there, theirs is the kingdom and they're blessed. Humility releases grace. Now, real quick, before I finish, I have a responsibility to share something with you. And let everybody listen. Thank God for his grace. Amen? Amen. It's not just love. It's not just forgiveness. Thank God it's both of those. It's help. It's help. And if I know that God will supply and God will help me with what I can't do, And what I don't have, that grace will break me out of this cycle. Now, here's what I have responsibility to tell you. Nowhere, look at me, nowhere are you authorized, not in any way are you authorized to live a passive, careless Christian life. Nowhere. You're not, because of God's goodness, allowed to be bad. You're not like, well, I don't deserve it anyway. <laughs> Scripture said, where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. And it goes on to say, well, then, hey, let's sin some more so we can get some more grace. And there's two strong words that come through. Through the Holy Spirit of God, through the Apostle Paul. And he said, God forbid. Don't cheapen the grace of God. Listen, God is so for you, not against you. Make sure that you walk With him, not against him. I want to say it again. He's so for you, not against you. Make sure you walk with him, not against him, so that you can always have access to that grace in your life. Amen. In closing, and I apologize, I was so trying to get out of here a long time ago. I don't want to hold you too long. But this is so important to us. I want to echo the power of Scripture and say to you this morning, declare over your life today grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.